Hello, and welcome to Saving People, Queering Things, a Supernatural podcast. We were previously known as Driver Picks the Podcast, and the episode you're about to listen to was recorded under that name. Though our name has changed as of season three, our show hasn't changed that much. Our structure and theme-based discussions are the same, and we're so glad you're here. Now, let's get on the road. Hello, and welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast, the show where we talk about ghosts, road trips, and free will through every episode of the TV series Supernatural. Today, we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 6, Skin, through the theme of sacrifice. I'm Abigail, your host and former owner of a very Dean-esque leather jacket that I wore to absolute shreds in college. I'm Hannah, rotating host, uh, and my gender, I have to admit, is absolutely the bond between the brothers. I couldn't pick one, so I had to pick both. Uh, I'm Claire, and I'm in love with every female character that doesn't get enough screen time or get to speak to another woman in this entire show. (laughs) Which, there are both a lot of those women and not nearly enough. (laughs) but I am in love with all of them there's enough room in this heart for them all I love that (laughs) Um, it is now time for our series recap the road so far of season one Mary Winchester is dead John Winchester is missing and their two sons Sam and Dean are on the road to find their dad and avenge both their mother and Sam's girlfriend Jessica who were both killed by an unknown supernatural being John has left several mysterious clues about his location, and so Sam and Deem are saving people and hunting things as they search for him. Along the way, they've encountered and successfully exercised a demon, which will become important for the future lore of this world. However, the trail for John continues to be windy and confusing, and they seem to be no closer to finding him than when they set out. Wonderful, and we are all caught up. That brings us to this episode and to our 30-second recap segment. In this segment, we will each take a turn recapping what happens in this episode. I will count you in. Three. Okay. Are you you actually ready? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Three, two, one, go. While on the road to find their father, Sam and Dean are interrupted yet again by one of, this time, Sam's school friends, a brother-sister duo, the brother of whom has just been accused of killing his girlfriend. As they sort of infiltrate the world of these friends, they slowly find out that this world's actually been infiltrated by someone they term a shapeshifter, someone who's taking the faces of uh, people's beloved ones and killing them. Of course, he has to turn into Dean tormenting Sam before they can slaughter him, get back on the road with each other rather than their friends. All right, count me in. Okay, three, two, one, go. In this episode, we see a nasty uh, skin-changing, shape-shifting being. I don't really know that we ever sort of get an idea of what they are. Uh, Just committing a lot of violence against women in the forms of their most beloved uh, male figure. So their husband, their boyfriend. Um, That figure shape-shifts into Dean at one point. um, And basically, it's all just kind of a nightmare. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Three, two, one. 
Okay, so Sam gets an email from an old college friend saying that another friend has been arrested for killing their girlfriend, but it doesn't really make sense because that person was in two, seemed to be in two places at one time, and they go and investigate. And it turns out it's a shift, it's a shapeshifter, and that's been committing all these violent crimes. And they eventually the shapeshifter shifts into Dean, and well, he's in the shape of Dean, Dean is able to kill him and then they head back onto the road. We will now move into our theme discussion. Our chosen theme this week is the theme of sacrifice. And of course. Hannah noted when we were watching this that we have had absolutely great luck with these themes so far. Every time they are just mm-hmm. very on point for the episode. So I know I have notes. I know you guys have notes. Take it away. Where do you see the theme in this episode? Well, I'll go first, if just to claim the what might be the easiest representation. I know we've talked a couple different times, right? As these monsters of the week echo the right the narrative of these brothers, sort of the point of the show. But seeing it really, really clearly in that they're helping out Sam's college friends or school friends, right? The whole discussion that he and he and Dean have from the start is you really should be letting go of these friends. It's really difficult. You need to just chop them out of your life because they're never going to understand and they're never going to be able to support you, right? The very first conversation they have is about how Sam should be sacrificing these friends for his life hunting on the road. And you sort of see this tension where that's what Dean presumably has done and what Sam doesn't want to do, sort of summarily ending with, again, he drives away from these friends. Um, Even though they know what he's doing, the implication is that she's not going to be telling other people and he's returning to life on the road. So throughout the episode, you kind of have this idea of this tension of should he be sacrificing his friends? Should he be sacrificing like his integrity as a hunter, his safety as a hunter, um, their safety as people who know him? And I think that's really neatly summarized at the end, right? His friend Becky now knows what he does, what the family business is, and she asks him if Jess knew, right? And he kind of uh, hums around it for just a second before he says that, no, she didn't. And this implication that she would have been sacrificed as well, I think, is hidden right under that surface. Um, Yeah, that's, the I think, the absolute biggest place that I spotted it throughout the episode. Mm -hmm. I think the interesting thing with that that ties back to previous episodes and what we know of Sam particularly so far is that Sam this is not the first time Sam is being asked to make kind of a choice between either his family and hunting and that life and you know the life that he could have the Stanford becoming a lawyer having friends and they're always juxtaposed as one or the other when it comes to Sam especially right now Mm. and previously we know that Sam made the sacrifice he kind of chose the thing to sacrifice and that was his family um And he was only really forced to make that choice because John said, you know, if you leave, don't come back. So this is, it's interesting to kind of see some of those echoes of, okay, now he's back with Dean, he's back with his family um, and he's being challenged to then again, make that sacrifice this time on the opposite end of like his friends. Um, Mm. I mean, they even say it in their, like that it's, you know, Dean says you can't get close to people. And there's this implication of like, that it's dangerous both for you and for them if 
they, if you basically, if you have people in your life outside of the world of hunting. Yeah. Not to be going off of, right, your notes that I can see, right, but even, right, when Dean is, when the shapeshifter is Dean, so to speak, right, Dean's not the shapeshifter, when the shapeshifter is Dean, that back and forth dialogue he has with Sam about, and he's sort of manifesting, right, Dean's, what he knows about Dean from assuming his form, but also sort of Sam's worst nightmares of what Dean could be and talking about, I stayed behind, you got to go to Stanford, you got to get out, you got to have a life, like the implication of the sacrifices Dean made when the narrative has sort of been about the sacrifices that Sam is being pressured to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, choice. The int- well, because so one of the things that's kind of interesting here, and this is not directly related to the theme, but it is a thing that I was thinking about, um, was when the shifter is in Dean's form, there mm-hmm. is a really interesting mix of like the shifter knows a lot about Dean and is kind of collecting that information by being in his form, but also um, is doing a lot of interpretation of like, what does he think will be effective to Mm. use against Sam in this instance? So he, he, like you said, Hannah, he plays on the things he knows, but also on the things I think he thinks that will really hit Sam the worst, that will really be the worst kind of betrayal. Um, And it, it's very interesting when it comes to the lore of we don't really have we don't get a lot of information in this episode about how how shifters entirely work but and I also just noticed the shifter being actually like is being presented as if Dean's real feelings are being manifested but the shifter is actually Mm. very unlike him in most significant ways like at the even some of the one thing I hadn't noticed in the past is some of the acting choices there are very obvious when you especially I mean I've watched the show a lot so I've seen (laughs) um Jensen Ackles play Dean over many years and the shifter does not feel like like Dean and it doesn't have some of the same mannerisms is is looks like him from the outside but I find it interesting like nobody figures out nobody in this episode figures out that it's the shifter and not Dean other than Sam and Sam knows almost instantly like very quickly Sam figures it out and he says it's because you know like he says it's because he Dean catches the keys with the wrong hand for where his injury was but I think it's also just that the shifter doesn't feel like Dean the shifter has got different like a different sort of really dark energy and at this point Mm -hmm. in the show Dean does not have that same kind of like um cynicism I think even yeah he masquerades as it but he doesn't actually have the cynicism I think that's sort of I would agree I think that's sort of the piece the shifter misses is how much and again I might be coming from the fandom reading into Dean but how much of Dean is a performance how much of it is right that a dad's jacket bigger than he is how much of it is I act like I sleep around a lot and I just kind of don't like this man giving off this very big, larger than life performance. So the shifter's like, obviously Dean is this very cynical man. And underneath we know Dean isn't, we know that he is always hoping for the best outcome. Even when he's telling Sam he should sacrifice, he's, he's the way, the reasons he's giving and the way he's couching that is actually fairly compassionate. It's because I think Dean genuinely doesn't think it's not, I don't think it's the same as with maybe John, where I think John was a lot harsher on both of them in terms of like, you can't have connections outside of this world. But I think for Dean, it's he, the way he's presenting it to Sam is, 
I don't think he's thought of it as any other way. And I don't think he means it in a harsh, I think he's trying, he's, he, I think he truly believes that's what's best for Sam. And Claire, it looked like you were about to say something. Well, I think, I mean, I think, I think that's really interesting because I don't know, like, this is like episode six, right? So I don't actually know that the audience would know um, the subtleties and the difference in the deeds. Exactly. Necessarily at this point, right? Like, I think we have the advantage of having watched Dean for so many seasons. And what I think this episode does really, okay, uh, Hannah goes, uh, me? I haven't watched any Supernatural. Some of us did reblog a lot of Dean fan art, and some of us didn't. Uh, and, and I wasn't one of them, uh, so keep it to yourself, bro. Well, I no. don't know. I'm the one that accidentally deleted my blog. You still have a working, functional blog that has posts from 2013. I'm sure we could find. Anyway, I think I think we have I'm enough sure context. Can, I'm sure I think Jensen Ackles sure tangibly can. acted sure. different enough as the shifter. Yeah, yeah. If you'd listen to what I was gonna say, uh, uh-huh. you would understand what I'm about to say. Um, you know, uh, here's the thing: it's six episodes. I think what this episode does is it plays into all the audience's worst, all the audience's worst fears about Dean, right? So it gives us what Dean could be if he was hyper masculine and super callous and like as sort of um misogynistic as he kind of projects himself to be right and if he he genuinely and if he genuinely blamed sam right for how much his life sucks and so what it does is it does this thing of like both plays into audience fears about about dean as the older brother because we're coming in with sam as the point of view character so we're automatically empathizing with sam's whole shit like we see what dean could be and so then like this is a great episode to give us that very sympathetic view of dean this is the episode Mm. that for me when i see dean's the co-protagonist a deuteragonist uh instead of a fight a fucking you know like secondary brother right like i know he is but because we're coming in from sam's point of view this is the episode that i think really for me goes oh no okay these two are equal and in fact we're understanding dean as as sympathetic as sam and we're coming in from his point of view in a similar way we just weren't necessarily set up that way that's actually really cool i like that i that's really interesting because I think there are like moments of you get that in a previous episodes, but I think you're right. This is like a fairly significant point for us showing who he could be and who he is instead. Right. I think I actually did want to ask a, a question, although no, this might, I'll wait to ask this question later in the episode. Um, but I, I do think this is sort of the ultimate, uh, like masculinity fantasy episode um and I kind of wanted to I want you guys's opinions on why why do you think in the first season the writers were like you know what we should do we should have a bad guy who looks like our protagonist commit violence against women in this particular way like what do you think what do you think about that slash do you have 
Are you asking it now or later in the episode? No, no, I'm asking this now. I have another question oh, okay. later. The answer is just misogyny. Like, it's right. Like, it's just stupid easy. So I'm thinking about like, right. Like, I mean, I think you already said it, right? That if this episode is the projection of the masculine fantasy, right? If we're playing into this idea of Dean as who he projects he is, if he was actually the way he is perceived or seen, what would that actually look like? And I think, again, going back to the idea of Dean as a performance and a projection, right? I think the very first instant that we start feeling that discomfort is we know that it's the shapeshifter in there with Becky, but you, it's this moment of you feel a lot of sympathy for the shapeshifter, right? He starts talking about being like feeling hideous and talking about being deformed, right? Playing into this disability aspect of something very Phantom of the Opera-esque. And talks um, about loneliness too. Yes, um, loneliness. It's very, I was like, this is such a Phantom moment, right? Of I was hideous and nobody could bear to look at me until I could take on another shape. Like, won't you just love me? And this really interesting role of essentially the shifter is searching for somebody to love him the way that all of his victims love the person whose form he's assuming. And then it's it's all fine and dandy and we are kind of getting this strange amount of sympathy for the shifter and getting a hint at their lore, like we talked about. And then it's the moment that Becky asks them to leave, right? She says, I think you need to go. And he doesn't go. And then leans forward, right, and smells her hair. And that's when the horror of the show starts creeping up. It's up until that moment, you're, you're feeling the sympathy for the monster. You're there with the monster. You're starting to deconstruct the monster. And that's the moment he becomes monstrous again. Mm-hmm. And also the moment that it stops feeling even remotely like Dean. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think I would argue that it doesn't... It, it doesn't prior. Doesn't, doesn't prior, but I, but I agree with you that, yeah, that's a moment where it's... There's a very clear line it's it is interesting like to go back to your question Claire that the writers choose to kind of not just that they choose to place Dean in this specific specific role like they choose to have the shifter shift into Dean and not Sam Mm. is it interesting choice and I think misogyny is a you know pretty clear answer to that but the other question that is a little more even like kind of concerning from a writing misogyny point of view is why this monster is being constructed in this particular way like why were like I don't like I I appreciate that they were trying to show give us more of an interesting monster than just like this monster is shifting into people and killing other people there I appreciate that they're trying to you know vary the kind of monsters because at the end of the day most monsters in the show are trying to kill people so like they're they're trying to add something to that and we've seen that in a couple of the previous episodes but we already knew prior to the scene with with becky we already knew that this monster the shifter shifts into men and kills their significant female partners so like we already knew this monster preyed on women in their intimate relationships and it's interesting that then they try they go the extra length of like they're not even like dean and becky are not even in a relationship they just like this chose to to do this predator super predatory sort of thing and to put our main one of our protagonists in that role and i 
I both appreciate and really hate the way they're trying to do the sympathy piece. I think knowing, I think when you like know what's coming when you're watching this episode, it becomes way more uncomfy. And yeah, I don't know. I think this season in general, like there are a lot of there. Yeah. That trope of like predatory male character or monster preying on female character is really common in these first couple of seasons and some of it is it some of it is interesting commentary considering the like real life misogyny and violence against women that exists in the world like some of that is makes a lot of sense that monsters also in this society in this world take their cue from even in a lot of ways the you know humans that prey on where women get preyed on but the show also leans into that in some ways that normalize that the women are always the ones that get the short end of the stick they're always Mm -hmm. the ones that are dying so that a male character can grow or change or further the plot and that's unfortunate I think it also brings up two really interesting really, points. Really... Go God, on, not us doing the same thing, starting to speak and then stopping. Um, no, Hannah, I was just gonna say I'm really interested in the point that, like, the point that you were talking about too, of like, you kind of like you're just starting to feel sympathy for the monster, you know, in that scene. Because um, I think that's a really interesting point, and Abigail, I think you you also make a good point about that, that, like, if you know what's coming, that scene starts to feel more sinister than sympathetic. And sinister earlier, like, you know, like, you're, you, you don't have that switch of, like, oh, now he's being creepy. Like, I feel like he's being creepy the entire time, the kind of questions he's asking, the way he's justifying his, the way he's pushing at her boundaries. Yes, but I think, that what makes my it experience too, which is what, which is why I wanted to come back to this. Sorry, Hannah, please go. I, I'm just gonna say I think what makes that m- most interesting for me is the direct implication that because she tells him no is why he kills her. Right? That it this, and I might just be extrapolating more than is necessary, but it's the implication to me seems to be that that's what he's coming mm. every time and asking. Again, not to like bring it back to the fan of the opera, but it seems like every time he's asking for them to accept him and pushing these boundaries with the like express intent, right? If this was a Criminal Minds episode, that would be what they're reading from the villain, right? If this was a detective show, it would be that someone is going from person to person asking if they're going to love him and accept him when he pushes these boundaries. And when they say no, that's when he kills them. Which is then, it makes it more interesting that we actually never see him committing violence not not the right word we never see him brutalize these women we only see the lead up or the after effects which right even when he no i was just gonna say that does leave us with this gap yeah right we only only victim we see the shifter interact with at length is dean like is is or sorry um is becky like that's the only victim where we actually see or sam and both of right. those it's very but also both of those it's yeah it's just it's an interesting and, and both of those are in the face of dean 
so what this episode gives us is one of the two protagonists committing the only sustained violence in the episode in his face but that's what i'm saying is they didn't, like the only didn't even show violence that then. we see on yeah which is no but wait, what but it, but we see more we see more of that interaction we see more violent and like stressful interaction when he's wearing okay. dean's face and and like plot wise of course like we're more invested obviously in the shifter right. as dean than we are in the shifter as like random sam college friend um however like that's just like meta wise really interesting because then all like <laughs> the only one we're seeing do sustained violence in the episode is also wearing the face of our protagonist and like you said we're so early in the show that we don't actually and because we're getting so much of the beginning of the show is from sam's point of view we're getting so much more dean in this episode but we also haven't spent that much time with him and now we're right. going to spend you know half of his time in this episode like probably almost 50 percent of of jensen's time in this episode are as the shifter mm. right I think it's interesting yeah. that we don't also deconstruct it. Like at no point does Dean, at no point in this episode that we see does Dean sort of unpack, hey, someone wearing my face just brutalized you, right? I think it's interesting yeah. that he takes more of a step back from Becky, right? After we watch someone wearing his face, ignore her boundaries at the end of the episode, rather than that upfront, let me step in front of Sam and shake your hand. He stays back at the car and just waves to her. That's interesting. But there's also yeah. nothing with Sam, right? There's no... He walks in and he walks over to the body and they exchange this look that to me, Red, is very, hey, buddy, that probably was fucked up. But that's as far as they go, right? <laughs> Dean crouches yeah. next to the shifter wearing his body, looks at Sam, picks up the Samulet, and then they don't talk about it. Which is... Also makes me think about what you were saying about Dean with performance is that from the time they realize that the shifter is in Dean's body, Dean's one reaction, he has, he has a very one note reaction. He is angry, but he is angry, not in a like, in a very surface level way. He's like, that dude's wearing my face. Like that, like, it's it's not a very like it's not like an it's like like you said he, it's not like he's reckoning with sort of like the implications of that and the implications of you know the shifter hurting Sam in his face and we're gonna see like other instances in the show where there are times that both of these characters are gonna get to kind of confront what it's like to experience being hurt by the other one and that's as much as I can say without giving spoilers <laughs> but they're gonna have to reckon with that thing and it's un it's a little unfortunate that they didn't kind of take this opportunity to kind of start to unravel that a little because that's some of the most interesting stuff I think in between their relationship especially since their relationship at this point they're just figuring out what that looks like and they've mm. also they also have like three I think three different conversations about the whole you know, you can't have friends, you've got to sacrifice, you know, your normal life to be a part of this hunting world. 
and then we have the shapeshifter. Like we're creating all these like disconnected sort of like confrontational scenes, but we don't kind of get them all tied together. We don't know if Sam talks to Dean about what the shifter says. Oh, Abigail, you and I talked about this a little bit in our episode, and I would I would be wildly shocked if you didn't talk about this in every single other episode. Um, <laughs> but the way that this show like both leans into and also subverts different like tropes and expectations of masculinity Mm -hmm. um and in this case um it's both shying away from the like hyper masculine violence um but also leaning into the concept of like well yeah men just don't talk about things like yeah they're just gonna deal with it um and they're gonna deal with it in the way that they're gonna deal with it you know and it's like and it's like buying into that and subverting it even in this episode because they you know have a few of those conversations that are kind of blow off conversations like that are very emotionless even though they're talking about like something so charged and then at the end you know they do have that little moment of like you know Dean apologizing to Sam and being like I wish things could be different you know they can't be but I wish they could be right and that little bit of like them trying them having a converse a real conversation about their feelings but then even in that conversation there's a lot of you know it's just like the because you know we 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 things can't be different you know because you're a freak and I'm a freak too and like I'm with you all the way and there's both like the avoidance of real emotion and the like Mm -hmm. we are trying to talk about real which I think is very interesting look at like even the challenge of like being raised as a man in a society that does not really allow for that kind of vulnerability so that's the closest that at this point that's the closest they can get yeah it's there's a lot happening (laughs) in sort of every frame of this terrible little episode um terrible mostly because I have to watch Jensen Ackles do that absolutely awful transformation scene uh and rip his ear off it's so gross it's one of it's really it's one of the most horary again horary scenes from this early these early episodes it's so gross so unpleasant yeah it's bad i'm glad that they only made us watch the shifter actually shift once Once. and it was still too long of a scene (laughs) i'm still like half that length maybe too long. I'm like half that. Yeah, really. We knew what he was doing. Right. We know so quickly, very quickly. You're like, oh, it's shifting, and then you don't need any more. We don't need to see it. And then you, cut, and then you cut away. Yeah. And then you. That's a. That's a moment. That's a moment when Eric Kripke should have said, well, maybe let's cut away. Um. You know what, guys? Maybe we cut away from this one. I think Eric Kripke really wanted this to be more of a horror-y show visually than he was ever allowed to make it and yeah. so he leans into these little moments where he could get away with it absolutely like, hey Eric, maybe we don't watch the teeth pop out one by one you think <laughs> oh like maybe maybe that's our treat <laughs> as there anything else from like the theme <laughs> or this episode in general that either of you wants to talk about I 
feel like there was. I'm trying to think of it. <clears throat> oh, I did have a note. This actually, sorry. When you asked the question, then you realize you're the one that has something else to say. Um, this is not specifically related to the theme necessarily, but there is the moment. So near the end, after they've killed the shifter and they're talking to Sam's talking to, to Becky about, you know, the fact that this is what he does. And there's this look that he gets and where I really read it as like, a look of him being actually proud of what he does as a hunter I think up till this point we've really seen Sam be really resistant of like the fact that this is his life and that's why he's so reticent to talk about it and now we see this moment of him being proud of the fact that they were able to rescue like they were able to clear Zach's name they were able to rescue Becky and and then Becky also identifies, you know, that it must be lonely. And Sam says, no, it's not so bad. And then the, the shows it shows a shot of him looking at Dean. Um, I think we're starting to see their relationship solidify a little bit. Now that we're a few episodes in, we're seeing Sam wrestle through that initial... I'm only here to find dad to now also being proud of the people they're saving um, and recognizing that he, I think he is still lonely. He is still miss his friends, but he's also, I think, starting to re-see Dean as a stability and like as a friend and as a person that he, that, that staves, staves off some of that loneliness. I, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think right at the start of the episode, right? They're at the gas station. They're on their way. They're continuing. And Sam check, checking his email on this ancient Palm Pilot. Um, I think I think the line that, that Dean says, right, is that's, well, yeah, your college friend, and also 400 miles back. And then it just cuts to them, like, squealing out of the gas station. Right, Sam has been so single-minded this whole season, right, and sure we can find dad, let's really find the motherfucker that got Jess, and then this is, yeah, I think you're exactly right, right, this is the moment when he, a friend, someone personal, also needs help that he doesn't even know is going to be related, right, he has honestly, this sort of punch, but. But honestly, it doesn't really seem like it. I there's think no way. Most of the reason, I think 90% of the reason for Sam is that he wants to go and reconnect. Yes, yes. In this exact moment when Dean is pushing that he needs to disconnect, Sam is desperate for a reconnection. And, and he goes like 400 miles out of their way, out of his path, out of his pursuit to see these people and then convince Dean. And Dean goes along with it without too much resistance. Like he goes, oh, it's like 400 miles. And like, he's just finished saying, you know, you can't have friends in this life. And then immediately like, listens to Sam when Sam is like this is important to me like Dean also knows chances of this being actually their kind of thing not super high and so I think we're also seeing like yeah we're seeing them both turn towards both each other but also towards like breaking some of those cycles and like breaking some of that down like and not actually yeah towing the party line that I'm assuming is a line from John mm-hmm 
we see them both kind of like pushing against that testing, whether testing, you know, is it actually true that we can't have real friends? Yeah, it really, I think it, I think it does call back to the theme, right? Of Dean and Sassi needs to sacrifice his friends and Sam instead is willing to sacrifice a not insignificant amount of their sort of quest time to go back and do this. Mm-hmm. Like that is immediately placed on the chopping block and they go. Not without hesitation or questioning. I'm sure Dean complains the whole 400 miles, but they do it. Yeah. I think I think the other thing, unless you have something to add on and that. Not only they, I, I was just going to say, not only do, do, they, do they do it, but Dean complaining the whole 400 miles back is not significant enough to make the episode. He's still going. Right. Yeah. It's not, yeah. Like, they're, like, they're, Eric Eric Kripke did not say, you know what I need? You know what? Eric Kripke said, I would rather keep the shot of Jensen Ackles' fucked up little teeth <laughs> popping out of his head than, than any shot of Dean complaining about doing this little backtrack. Yeah. That's, Full stop. That's very all. True. That's very true. Uh, Dean is, they're juxtaposing Shifter Dean with the actually quite compassionate brother Dean in this mm. episode constantly, which is is giving us a lot of yeah, interesting character study. Talk about like chosen Dean. Oh Dean. Talk about choices too, like plot choices. They set Becky up as staying at her parents' house during this, and her parents' house is still four hundred miles away. Right at no point were they like, oh, and then Sam has this friend who happens to be the next town up or the state line over. It's very specifically, and I think going back to Claire, I think it was your point. I might be making that up. It kind of goes back to the point we made earlier about this being the episode where Sam starts to come into his own more. Of if they literally backtrack, and for a case that Sam has to convince Dean is up their alley for a friend that Sam has kept that Dean thinks he should have cut off to save them from somebody wearing Dean's face and then move forward is such a clear sort of commitment that he's been pushed to make this whole time. Yeah, and Sam at the end, you know, earlier on in the episode, Dean asked like what he's been telling friends and he's mm. like, I'm telling them I'm taking a bit of a break. But later on, when he talks to Becky at the end, it's very final. It's very, it does not sound like he is, you know, here for a while and then maybe going back. And maybe he is, and we're still going to get him kind of working through all of that. But there's almost like a, t- a corner has been turned and he is not, this is not a like, I'm trying to get this done as fast as possible so I can go back to my mm. normal life. This is a, this is my, mm-hmm. this is my life. And I don't know what that means yet, but I'm actually hundred percent in it. Which weirdly is represented by him telling Becky. Not that she had a choice in finding out at this point. She got sucked in, but, <laughs> but in telling her kind of cements that in a way that Dean never had to, Dean never had a friend to choose between her to tell. And I think Sam walking away from a friend that knows gives <laughs> it that sense of finality we uh, 
I think your analysis of Sam is like spot on there. There is an instance of this with Dean that we are going to see later in this season. Dun, dun. I think that probably covers really our theme discussion. Good stuff. Probably. We're going to move into a segment that we're calling Going Meta. And this is where we talk about some of the lore of the show. We track a few key elements of the story and we check in with kind of our pop culture radar. So uh, what I'll do is I'll introduce the category and then I'll let one of you guys jump in and give us an update based on this episode. First up, significant character deaths. I want to argue for this being counted as a Dean death. I think, I, what do you think, Hannah? I'm, I'm kind of split on it. I mean, technically somebody who looks like Dean dies. Yes. I also think we just talked so much about how unlike Dean, they felt. Maybe I'll make an argument for counting it. Wait, Claire, you keep counting. Say it again. No, keep going. Keep going. No, Claire, no, Claire I want to hear your reasoning for this, and then I'll give. If you if your reasoning is different than mine, I'll give my reasoning for why I think you're right. Oh, never mind. No, give your reasoning for why you think I'm right. Never mind. I, this is great. Okay. Well, I think I think a reason that it could be argued is not because it's an actual Dean death because it isn't it's a shifter that looks like him but because in the lore of the show and in the world this is the first time that Dean Winchester dies and the in the eyes of the law in the eyes of like the world yeah he's dead I will actually accept this he literally does say that he's sad he's missing his funeral which is such a funny line when you think about (laughs) (laughs) the rest of the show Yeah, the the line the line that made me write down in my notebook, I think we should put this in the death counter, uh, was him going, how many times do you get a chance to see your own funeral? Because it's a lot, Daniel. Hey, Dean, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The second thing that we are tracking is the Bechdel test. Hannah, you want to give us an update on that? Um, yeah, it failed, babe. 100% failed. I, yeah, I can't think of a single instance where I saw a woman who also saw another woman. There isn't any in this episode. There isn't one. There's not even a shot, a single shot with two women in it. (laughs) There might be in like one of the random screenshots. Like, no, they weren't even on the street making that contact. Claire's absolutely losing their mind. I contact through a window. Like, there wasn't even, like, two women talking at, like, a McDonald's drive-through in the background. <laughs> no women saw any other this women. show is so bad. So bad. <laughs> so bad for women. They didn't even see each other, dude. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just losing it. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh my the third thing that we are doing in this segment is our lore check. Basically just talking about how is the show's world building going. Um, I have a couple notes for this one. Um, one is that the shapeshifter specifically, uh, we don't 
we the lore is very unclear in this episode because the only time that they talk they really get like talk about the lore is when the shifter is talking about it a little bit kind of but it's very unclear as to whether or not that's accurate like was the shifter human what like we don't really know and sam and dean don't really come to any sort of like conclusion and they don't really spend much time even talking about whether or not they need to know where this shifter came from they because they know how to kill it that's the only thing they're really focused on one of the other things we are keeping track of is locations that anyone on this podcast has been to because I grew up in the area that Supernatural was filmed. Uh, however, there's no specific locations in this episode that I really know. A lot of them, most of the shots are actually in Vancouver and familiar with the area, but not specifically locations. Claire. Uh, at the beginning of the episode, uh, uh, Jensen Ackles says, uh, we'll be in Tucumcari by lunch. Uh, and I once played a district golf tournament in Tucumcari, New Mexico. Thank you. I love that. Next up is our kind of pop culture check-in. There are no fake ID names given in this episode. However, there is one significant pop culture reference that Hannah needs to talk about. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You had a moment of like not remembering and I was very upset. I really, I was really trying. I was like, what on earth are you? No, they do. Dean does reference when they're talking about how the shifter um, likely has a connection to him being alive uh, to be able to access his knowledge. He does ask if that's anything like a Vulcan mind meld. And Abigail and I, as the resident Trekkies in the chat, did both have a moment of um, enjoyment and uh, unrelated pleasure uh, at that at that distant reference, which Claire did thoroughly mock us for. Um, for those of you who might not know, of what a Vulcan mind meld just allows you to understand like what's in someone else's mind. It's very much like it was referenced in the show. Uh, I feel fairly confident that if you're listening to this podcast, you have enough uh, background pop floor to understand the reference but just so that I can get it out there uh, that'll be the next podcast our our last segment today is blessings so in this segment we take a page from Harry Potter and the sacred text as well as the long-standing tradition in a lot of religious communities and we're each going to bless a character from this episode for any reason that we want to bless them yeah, I'm I'm going to bless Sam in this episode because yeah. I think that going back to see his friends after Jess dies has got to bring up all of the memories of her and all of the trauma again. Like, I think, you know, in some ways it'd be easier to just stay on the road and not engage with his old life because that's super painful and we're, he's we know he's you know reliving that moment with Jess all the time and but he goes and he like is vulnerable with his old friend and just sort of slips back into I think a lot we get to see a lot of like what he was like as a friend at Stanford and it's really sweet and it breaks my heart for him and yeah, I think just like Sam acting with this kind of like vulnerability and courage to face his 
to not compartmentalize his life. He doesn't sacrifice his friends entirely to go off on this hunt. He doesn't entirely cut off all the parts of himself so that it won't be as painful. He actually like engages with them vulnerably. And that's a hard and beautiful thing to do. And I want to bless Sam for it. So I very specifically, I thought about blessing all of the sort of secondary victims of the shifter, but I really specifically want to bless Zach. I think it's interesting how little screen time we really, we didn't actually see him, right? We saw the shifter as him. Um, One, I think his sister, like Becky, standing up for him to such an extent that she sought out help, that she was willing to sort of go along with these strange men on her step to go as far as they were going to try and get him out of the situation she never doubted that he wasn't capable of this um that this couldn't have been him um and I think we sort of leave we sort of almost left them on a cliffhanger right we're about to fully leave this town this episode not knowing what happened to Zach to sort of just know that Becky was safe and then sort of right at the end Dean asks you know, what's happening with them. And Sam mentions, oh, well, they're all blaming it on Dean Winchester now. So Zach is free. Um, but I think, right, I really felt for his plight of coming home and finding finding the one that he loved brutalized. And I think we kind of, as viewers and sort of in the episode, like we skimmed past that. We didn't delve into his plight that much because right, the emphasis, we were talking about the actual victims, the people who were brutalized, but I think in leaving this episode, that's who I want to bless is, I hope that, you know, I, I, I bless his efforts to move on and find healing, and he never met Sam and Dean, he didn't see any of the effort people were going to, he might not even believe the shifter, which means that he's going to be left sort of questioning himself and his reality long after they're gone, and I bless his efforts to regain it i want to bless that this this is great we've all we've all just blessed so many different people and i'm gonna bless bex uh because she just works very hard to try and get her brother out of trouble that she knows he does not deserve and then also is just like lied to and brutalized by men um in this episode uh even though like obviously we know that sam does not you know intend anything bad by lying to her or anything but she's just like going through it and going through it and then also supernatural things are real and she just has to grapple with that now um yeah so i really felt uh felt in my heart (laughs) for her um so that's where that's where mine will be landing Lovely. Well, thank you, Claire and Hannah, for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Always, always, always a delight. And thank you also to anyone who is listening. We wish you a peaceful road till we meet again. Next week, we will be discussing season one, episode seven, Hookman, through the theme of gratitude. A note to our listeners. 
This episode was recorded prior to our season three name change, where we went from Driver Picks the Podcast to Saving People, Queering Things. For all of our new social media platforms, visit queeringthingspodcast.com.